Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to a brand new episode of Chat. My name is Brian Carney. Delighted to be joined today by my good friend, Neil Scarborough. Neil, how are you? How you doing, Brian? Thanks very much for having me on. Yeah, all good, man. I wanted to do something different for this episode as um, I've only really had like a touring artists for the, for the first few episodes, so I wanted to get a different perspective. So obviously I'm well aware of what you do, but can you please just describe to the listeners or to the viewers exactly what, what you do? Um, I'm one of the owners of Music First Agency. Um, I'm a talent agent, music manager. Um, we look after, um, for anybody that's not familiar with our roster, your Brian's on it, John O'Callaghan, Giuseppe Ottaviani, Craig Connolly, uh, Factor B, Scott Project, Maria Healy, James Diamond, Schneider, uh, Sean Tyus, Sid Van Riel, uh, Key 4050. Why I hope I'm not leaving anybody out, am I? Did you say Wyo? Oh, Wyo, there we go. I knew I was going to forget somebody. I, th- I think that was the last one, yeah. So, obviously, yeah. Um, you've been through pretty much the same thing as me over the past 12 months. So, uh, obviously, the, the first thing that I usually ask each guest on the show is how, how you found the past 12 months. Um, well, I, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna lie. It's, it's been the worst twelve months I've experienced, probably in my professional career and my personal life. Um, for the fact that it just, it was such a big, a big, a big amount of upheaval so quickly is the only way I could describe it. I'll always remember it was the start of March. Uh, to te- yeah, start of March last year. Um, and I always remember it was a Monday morning and we, myself and Emma, my wife Emma works uh, in the agency with us. So we got a bit of bad news on that Monday morning and um, not nothing COVID related. It was just kind of more bad news got to do, more. It was bad news got to do with the agency. And I was always remember it kind of took me and Emma back a bit that morning. But then, you know, as the day went on, we knew about COVID-19 and we knew kind of what was happening in, in Asia. And, you know, we didn't really think that it was going to affect us. Um, Giuseppe had a, a show the week before this was all happening and there was some um, uncertainty as to whether he'd be able to travel as it was issues with Italy, but it still wasn't really on our radar. Um, but that week then... A couple of shows got cancelled on the Monday, which were on the eastern side of the world. But then it just like absolutely snowballed that week, and um, where pretty much everything was getting cancelled. And then I think it was come maybe about a week later, a few days before Paddy's Day. I can't remember the exact date. We were in lockdown. Yeah. And it's just not, things haven't been the same since, it's the only way I could to, to describe it. It's just, uh, it's been a massive uh, change the last 12 months in how I work, how Music First would do business. It's been crazy, but I, I, like, I would like to think it's getting a little bit better now. I would like to think that. And, and how, how would you describe your mental health your, the level of your mental health over the past 12 months, have you found it really difficult to deal with? And how is it at the moment? Do you feel like you've... I'm so, sorry, I'm probably asking you too many questions. No, it's fine. But I'll just start with, like, how have you found dealing with your mental health over the past year? 
Well, look, I, I'm not, I'm not going to lie. Uh, as I said, that ties in with saying it's been the worst year of my personal, like my, my personal life too. Like, um, for those people that know me would know, like I live and breathe what I do. Um, it's a massive, massive part of my life. Um, my wife works for the company. Like my whole life is intertwined with my professional career. So, you know, for that to be taken away, well, well, first of all, like we said, for those that don't know the history of Music First, like we set up Music First, I think it was six years ago now. And I've always been working in the music industry in some some capacity. I was a DJ, like I DJ with you through the years. We all came up together. I was making music around the Discover days. Um, I tuned on Armada. I lived in Ibiza. I DJed in Ibiza. I did a bit of international DJing. And from knowing you and knowing John O'Callaghan and Rob Murphy since we're about 18, I've always been like in, like, you know, been in that circle. So it's always been a massive part of my life. But like six years ago, I made this like huge life decision. Um, I worked for Ryanair for 14 years and worked my way up in Ryanair um, from just working in a call centre to having a really, really good job there. I was like a business development manager, which was like a pretty high-end job in that company. So I was in a really good position um, professionally, but I took this massive gamble to uh, set up a business with uh, Rob Murphy and John O'Callaghan, Music First Agency. So... It, it was going amazingly well. Like, it, like you couldn't, I couldn't have wished for it to be going any better. Um, it was, it was like, it was an incredible uh, time for us. So for that to be then taken away, it's like so quickly. It was just a massive, massive uh, thing to digest is the only way I could describe it. So like, I'm not going to lie. Like, uh, I was, I think I was okay for maybe the first three or four months. I, this might be the wrong like explanation, but it was almost like it was a novelty. Like I don't yeah. know, like you know, it was just this new, kind of new experience. I don't know. It was, it didn't affect me the way it maybe did in the last eight months. You could say the first four months. It sort of felt like a break. Y- yeah, it was a weird yeah. experience. Like you know, I always remember uh, Paddy's Day, St Patrick's Day, the Irish national holiday, and myself and Emma were watching Leo Varadkar. Um, do a speech like addressing the nation and I always remember like I turned around to Emma and kind of saying like whoa like like we're gonna know people that are gonna die like this is going to be crazy like we were up in our room and I'll always remember as well uh, we we uh, committed to massive um, house, renovations in our house like about two days before the world went into lockdown so I always remember me and Emma just our life was in our bedroom for about two weeks because it was all work getting down, getting done down. I always remember just that it that uh, not that address to the nation by Leo Varadkar and just kind of looking and going like, oh my God, like this is this is crazy. So like I was all caught up in like, oh my God, am I going to die? Who's going to die? What's going to happen? You know, um, that's the way I kind of felt for the first four months, maybe three months of it. Um, so, yeah, it, it, it was just kind of weird sense. It was a weird feeling the first few months. It, it's, it was difficult to describe, but a, a kind of a, a new, new feeling is the only way I could describe it as. 
Yeah, look, just to give people a, a sense of the backstory behind this, I've been really, really good mates, the best of mates probably for nearly 20 years. And for people, obviously people know what Music First is. I'm obviously one of the artists on it. My manager, Rob Murphy, you've, you've Neil here that I'm talking to today and his wife, Emma. So these are some of my closest people that are in my life and we've all been severely affected by by what is what has gone on over the past 12 months we're all on government support um with the, with the situation in Ireland as it is we're not give, been given any uh, sort of roadmap out of how this is going to end or anything like that the sector we're in is being they're not given being given any assurances and stuff so i think i spoke about it before i'm finding it's obviously i can't control your happiness, Rob's happiness, Emma's happiness and stuff, but but it does affect me, the fact that we're all in this situation together and we're not being given uh, a, a way to get out of it. So that's that's been affecting me over the past 12 months. And I think myself and yourself, we've been talking about the situation at various stages over the past year. And I think we've gone from being, as you were describing there, sort of naive and buying into it and doing whatever it takes to to get through all of this to becoming sort of skeptical and questioning things and and th- that's exact that's exactly where I am right now um on the day that we're recording this now we- we're basically being told that these level 5 restrictions are going to last up until the middle of June whereas our friends in the UK people that we know have been given a roadmap and June 21st is the day that they're being told that everything will be back to normal so it's 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 really I'm fucking angry man with, with life at the moment and I'm sure you're exactly the same. I feel like there's so much fucking bullshit being said about uh, this whole situation. It I'm sick of all of it. I think there's so much smoke and mirrors. There's so much blame being put onto the public. There's n- the, the government are unbelievably they're in they're actually inept at most of the stuff they do but what they're really really good at is the spin that they put on things i was looking at a thing the other day that showed on sunday they vaccinated 300 people in this country but then then they start saying this week that it's the fault of people between the ages of 18 to 44 that the case numbers are going up because we're mingling with more people it's nothing got to do with their flawed policies or anything like that so I know we've spoken about it a lot over the last year all of this type of stuff and I think you're sort of in the same you're just pissed off and you're the same as me you've a you've a you're a critical thinker you're not buying into this narrative from the mainstream media you're as, you're as annoyed as me by how it is portrayed in the media um, obviously we're not medical experts or stuff like that but we're we're adults we're grown men we, we know what's right and wrong we're able to see things and question things so I just I'd like to speak to you about what do you what has been the most frustrating thing for you over the past year with all of this okay well well first of all like I want to be absolutely categorically clear here right now like I am not a COVID denier COVID-19 is absolutely real. Like, there's a virus out there. People can get sick from it. People can die from it. Like, so, like, I just want to be absolutely clear on that. Um, 
I think I might have went off on a bit of a tangent in the last question I asked, so I don't know if I explained myself very well, but when I was talking about the Leo Varadkar speech, I was kind of, that's what it was for the first four months. You know, like scared, worried for my family, um, not really thinking about my business or my future. Like I, I honestly really wasn't. The only really kind of concern I had there was that uh, we committed a lot financially to uh, renovations in our house and I was a bit worried like, Where's the where's the money where's the like you know where's the money gonna come from over the next twelve months? But the overriding emotion was fear. Then, as, as just as as things progressed, you know, like um, I think I think I forgot Cold Blue off the the roster earlier on when I was naming the roster. Like Cold Blue, another one. Sorry, of my art- sorry to bias. <laughs> yes, I'm really sorry to bias. Another one of my artists, but someone who I'm very very close to personally, very very close to. He was kind of giving me some, uh, I'm not too sure he's going to be happy to be saying this, but he was kind of giving me some information on it, you know, um, medical, scientific facts, you know, and I was kind of looking at this stuff and I'm like, I don't know, like, this is like, this is not like adding up here. It's like compared to what I'm looking at on the news or on the radio or some conversation with other people and then I'm looking at this kind of stuff. And, you know, but I, I kind of wasn't getting on board with it. You know, I don't know. I was still kind of influenced by the mainstream and what's going on. But just as more and more stuff started kind of coming out, like, I was kind of seeing, this is all getting a bit sensational here. Like, you know, I, I'm not really kind of buying into this. Um, so, you know, I kind of had that opinion for a while and I was becoming very angry then um, in general because... I was starting to get these like overriding emotions of anger because as I said, I left the job of 14 years. It was a massive decision for me and things have worked out for me so well. Like I, like I was five years in this business being like a talent agent and a music manager. Um, about a year before that, I just started personally managing Giuseppe Ottaviani. So like, you know, things were going unbelievably well for me. Um, so for that to be taken away, it just made me really, really angry. And then I wasn't believing what kind of what was, you know, what the information that we were being fed, like, you know, then you're, we went into what really kind of was the turning point for me was myself and Emma went into a protest in the city centre. You know, not like, you know, I'm not right wing, I'm not left wing, I'm not, I don't know what I am politically. I don't really have political views, but I mean, myself and Emma were so frustrated at the time that... We kind of felt that we needed to be doing something, you know. So we went into this protest, and it was fun. There was a lot of uh, like it was it was uh, it was getting run by Health Freedom Ireland. So you had Dolores Cahill talking, you had a couple of other people. So like I'm hearing all this information, like you know, and I said to myself, like, why isn't this? Why are we talking about this? Like on prime time on RTE, like what well, prime time is like a a nine o'clock current affairs uh, show. Current affairs show. Why isn't that getting talking about there? Why aren't we hearing this like, because uh, I never heard of these people before. I didn't even know these people were talking. I just kind of felt for my own, I don't know, my own mental health, I needed to be going in and do it, like just be doing something for me. So, you know, like I'm kind of talking to other people. They're kind of completely shooting it down, like what I'm saying. Like, you know, they weren't going to have having anything to do with it. And that was kind of frustrating me a little bit. I was kind of feeling like, oh God, am I alone voice here? Like a, I don't know, like, is this kind of, is it, like, why is nobody believing this? But then as I went, when I went home that night then, I went onto the RTE app 
And the RTA, like, there, was, there was a couple of thousand people there. I have videos of it. Like, you know, there was a, there was a good few thousand people there. You the sent it to me, I remember. Yeah, and then we were talking during yeah. the day. I remember about that. You were one of the few people that was kind of where I was mentally at that stage in terms of what was going on. So I could really relate to where you were and vice versa. Um, but the mainstream, the Irish mainstream media were reporting this as like a 500-person right-wing anti-mask protest. Like that, that that shook me to the core. This is like, the thing, man. This is the thing. If 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 you have any opposing view or anything, if you question any of this, you're you're a right wing fascist. Yeah. You're a right wing fascist to question what is going on oh. in your own country and the policies that are being taken out on every citizen in the country. It's it's ridiculous. Ridiculous. It's it's, it's crazy and but when I seen it, then I went on to, to um I went on to like the Independent, the Irish Times, stuff like that. And they were all at it, right? And it was a, there was an app that I used to look at all the time. I've deleted now. I wouldn't have anything to do with it. It's toilet. It's the journal. Um, and I'd be reading all the comments. in, the, And all these people like were absolutely rinsing the people that were at this protest, right? But none of them had a clue about what was going on there. They were only going on the information that was given to them by the mainstream media. So it was that's when it dawned on me. It was that day it dawned on me. People's opinions are based on the information that they're given by the mainstream media. Yeah, brainwashed. So like, completely breath. But it's not, I don't even know if it's, if it's brainwashed, Brian. It's just, you're looking to these outlets because you trust them. You know, like, up until that day, if Adam was on the six o'clock news and RTE or whatever like that, I thought that that was true. You know, that's just the way I was. And people would be like, you'd hear through the years this cliche, uh, uh, don't don't believe everything you read in the papers. Would you know what? Don't don't believe, <laughs> like, don't believe anything you read in no, the papers. But that was the day, that was the turning point for me, right? And that's when I felt my mental health really started to kind of take a turn for the worse because I felt that these people are looking to them people for first of all because they trust them and they want this information, so they're looking to people in authority to be led in times of crisis. So the people in authority and the media are not giving the people the right information. Like they're giving them like, you know, a bit, some of the information, but they're dressing it in a way that it's not right. So you have all these people basing the, getting these like beliefs or perceptions based on the information that they're given, but that, you know, it's not necessarily the correct information. So I, maybe it was this kind of bubble that I was living in for like five or six years that, I didn't really care what was going on in the world. Like, I barely read the news. I always remember about a year and a half into my job uh, in Music First, and I was like, I'm not really, I used to put on the news, you know, and it was all this trouble around the world, or, you know, you're reading these, like, horrible, like, graphics, horrible stories about murders or whatever, and I'm reading these just going like, why the fuck am I reading this? Mm. My life is so good right now. I don't need any of that crap. Like I don't. So like I was never watching the news or anything. So I was probably living in this bubble. And that day, that bubble got burst. And once it was burst, I was like, you know, I didn't. I didn't know where to go for answers. Like you know, there was about five or six people around me that kind of talked the way I did. But then you know, when you're kind of trying to talk to other people about your opinions on something, like. Day we were just weren't on the same page, you know. And I, sometimes I kind of felt like, as people were looking at me, saying like, "Oh, you're crazy!" Like you don't know, like you know, there's people dying out there. There's this and that. Yeah, no, like I, I accept that there is people dying out there. But like, 
I don't want to sound heartless here, but people die all the time. Like, like you know, they, they do die all the time. And it got to the stage then where, like, you know, I was then I was consuming so much information that wasn't mainstream media. Now, it wasn't conspiracy theory stuff or anything. I'm not a conspiracy theorist. This, that's a kind of word, that's a term now that's thrown around too loosely uh, nowadays. Like, if sometimes I feel, in the, especially the last eight months, if you have an opinion that's against the mainstream, you're a conspiracy theorist. Yeah, tinfoil hat. Yeah, yeah, that's, it, that, yeah. that's one thing that I don't like, and it's one thing that concerns me now about going forward as a, po- as a world population. Like, you know... It is a massive divide there. But I was like, you know, say for example, I'm looking at a lot of Ivor Cummins stuff. I'm looking at a lot of Dolores Cahill stuff. Now, Ivor Cummins is not a conspiracy theorist. It's, 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 a, it's like uh, data-driven information. So like he's, he's collating a lot of data, putting it together and presenting it. That's not conspiracy theorists. No, and then what hap- What happens with him is he presents this information and then he'll become a victim of a smear campaign by various yeah. other people, various other me- me- uh, media outlets and all stuff like that. It's the same with um, Dolores Cahill that you're talking about. I saw today in the news that she's had to be removed as a lecturer from, from the college that she's in. Has, she, has she been yeah. removed now? Has she, yeah. she works for UCD. Yeah. That's University College Dublin, like a really big college in Ireland. So She's sorry, just, just for, any, for anyone who's listening in, that's, that's, these are people who are actively um, questioning what is going on in Ireland at the moment with opposing uh, logical, perfectly logical. These aren't crazy people. These are people no. who know exactly what they're talking about and they're presenting yeah. information that isn't being reported in the mainstream media. And I've been exactly the same as yourself, Neil. I've just been... Uh, there's been times over the past year where I feel like I'm the only sane person left in the world. Maybe I, 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 I'm open to the, like, I, like, this is the way I see it, Neil. I hope I'm wrong about all of this stuff. I hope that the governments have my best interest at heart. And all this has been done to protect us, to protect everyone, and so that everyone can stay safe and all that. But I'm not that naive. I've lived no. too long to understand that this is not how life works. Life is completely corrupt and... Stuff the stuff that's going on at the moment, it's 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 very hard to take because there's this complete myth going on that we're all in this together and and we're not in this together. It's that is it's 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 fucking lies, man. There's there's yeah. three tiers of society in Ireland for people who are working. There's tier one, which is like people who are involved in pharma, groceries, health tech. They're making more money now than they've ever made, and pharma is probably the biggest industry in Ireland. So they're gonna they're loving what's going on at the moment. People being sick is how they make their money. They're not they're not interested in healthcare. They're interested in sick care. They're interested yeah. in you being sick and profiting off that. Then there's tier two, which is people who are working in the public sector, and they're not affected at all. So in in fact, they're probably able to work from home. They have a bit more freedom. So, some people are probably financially and mentally better off because of this uh, COVID nineteen situation. Yeah. Absolutely, yeah. exactly. So they're able to work from home. They're probably happier in their lives and they're not affected financially. They don't care. They're happy enough for things to go on as, as they want. And then there's people in tier three that include, include you, include yourself, myself, Emma, Rob, all the people we work with, people in hospitality, people in aviation. And you were speaking before that you used to work for Ryanair. So maybe if you still work for Ryanair, you'd be in a similar situation. Uh, yeah, I, I, would, I, I would probably be a little bit worried for my job. Yes, yeah. I would. Because I worked in a... In business development, where if you wanted to go and fly with Ryanair, I was one of the people that you would would talk to. I mean, would look at doing a deal. So yeah. there's no expansion in that uh, sector right now. Yeah. Definitely. Yeah. So 
we, we've no, we, we're on government support, which is something that I've never been on before in my life in terms of my own self-worth. I remember I was speaking to you last year. I've never felt, that was probably one of the lowest moments I've ever felt in my entire life when I felt completely worthless that it was calling up the uh, social welfare because my payment wasn't right and I had to try and get it sorted out and they told me to do this and this and it still wasn't sorted out. And I just felt like, what was the point? What's the point of this? Like, I feel like my self-worth was at its lowest probably at that point. And you said to me, that that's not true, man. And obviously, yeah, I, was, I remember that. Yeah, yeah, remember that. I was. It was. It was. It wasn't. I was. Was not in a great frame of mind at that time. But it, we have the most draconian restrictions out of every single country in Europe. We've had the longest, the most amount of days in lockdown out of every single country in Europe. Yeah. And I saw there last week that we've the highest death toll per person. So that just shows you that what they're doing isn't working. They're making a the balls of it. And we're the ones who get the blame. It's us who are moving around or calling into yeah. someone for a cup of tea that doesn't even fucking happen. We're the ones to blame. And we're the only country in Europe that construction isn't working. Construction is one of our biggest industries and it's not fully open. What's, what sense does that make, Neil? Like, wh- where is the money to, to going to come from to pay for all of this? Like, this... This like this is the thing that hasn't been told yet. Who is going to pay for all this stuff moving forward? We're going like. <laughs> Yeah, well, I don't know, man. Like, I'm sorry, sorry to interrupt you. I'm, I'm on a little bit of a, a rampage mm-hmm. here, but like, I, I, like Ireland gets its money from other people. Like, are they the ones that are really in control of what's going on here? Are they being promised low interest loans to keep this going as the rich are getting richer and there's a, tra- a, a transfer wealth going on all over the world? They're getting richer and they're going to send this money back into our economies. It's That's what's going to work. I don't know, man. I'm just speaking out loud here. I probably sound a little bit deranged, delusional, but I'm just I'm just thinking out loud about what possibly could be going on. It's 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 annoying, man. It really it really no, is annoying. No, it, it, it makes sense um, what you're saying. Like, see, I, I stopped watching a lot of, like, I don't look at the mainstream news anymore. And when we were talking last week, like, I even said to you, uh, I'm not going to do any like research coming on here or anything because all I can give is my own opinions. And yeah. at the end of the day, they are only my own opinions and they're opinions based on information that I've consumed. Um, but like, I don't really watch the... I don't follow the mainstream uh, media anymore at all. But like, I was on my Twitter feed this morning and I don't know the name of the report, but there's some report that's come out now to say... And I, I seen the Barrington Declaration, who you spoke about on your on this podcast before. They were talking about it to say that, like, here's some scientific evidence that lockdowns are not working. Um, I haven't read it, but that's what's out there now. So if any viewers are watching it, like, if this is what they're they're into, look at the Barrington Declaration's Twitter page because they, they've retweeted this account. I only glanced at it, so I, I haven't read the report myself. So like, there is evidence coming out that lockdowns don't work. Um, I, in Ireland anyway, I can only really speak for Ireland, I can't speak for, I follow a little bit of the UK news and I follow a little bit of the American news, um, but I, I wouldn't be, I wouldn't be educated enough to comment on it, but I totally get that we have to protect our health service, like Ireland's health service is a fucking disgrace. Yeah, it always like, has been, Neil. Yeah. It really has, yeah, and like, I, I might be wrong on this, but I think we've got the second highest spend in Europe on healthcare now you can fact check me on that one if you want and call me out on it but that's what i think it is so 
we for the for the amount of spend that we put into our health service, it is absolutely terrible. Like for the money that's spent. So that's a reflection on the Irish government and the people that are in charge of our health service, right? So the book stops with them there. I get it that we have to protect our health service. Like, because if the health service gets overloaded and this COVID-19 thing was going around and we didn't have the hospital space to treat the people that are affected by it, that's a serious problem. Like, you know, you're we're not going to see people between the ages of 18 and 50 in hospital with COVID-19. There might be a couple of them because they might have immu- uh, immuni- uh, immunity underlying, deficiencies. Underlying they might have conditions. underlying conditions. That's very, very possible. But like, I don't think you're going to see people between the ages of 18 and 50. So I think you were talking last week with Mark Sherry. It was a really good podcast, by the way. You were talking with Mark Sherry and you were saying like there has to be another way of doing this. And when you were saying that in my house, like, yeah, you are right. My own personal opinion is, you spoke about the Barrington Declaration as well. There needs to be a sheltered approach, like where the people that are vulnerable to this disease, they're the ones that need to be protected. Like, and now that might sound selfish, but like, I feel very, very strongly about this. If there's someone that has existing conditions, like, you know, is sick anyway, or someone that's old, it's gone on it's gone on long enough now. We're twelve months into this. If they think that people that aren't affected by it have to suffer for them, I personally think that's selfish. Mm. Now that's my own belief. People might people might disagree with disagree with me there, but that's the way I feel. The people have done enough now. It's been twelve months down the line. Like it's up, it, it, there has to be another way implemented. Now, I'm not saying that there will be, but that's what I think there should be because 95% of people are suffering because 5% are affected. Like, you know, it's, I don't know, it's, it, it's, 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 just, it, it's crazy to me. And it, what worries me now is there's, there's a divide forming. You know, you're either like, you know, oh man, we're to- in the minority. We're in the minority. Oh, we are totally in the minority. But one thing I have kind of seen in the last couple of months with conversations with people, there is this kind of silent, silent group of people that are totally accepting of COVID. You know, like you know, and they will follow guidelines, but they are starting to get very pissed off um, with the way it is. Like you know. If the government are going to keep this going now to June, I feel they're going to lose. They're going to lose support of people, um, you know, because if hospital numbers are down, infections are down, infections are down. They're vaccinating people. Why the fuck are we still like not allowed to go leave her uh, five kilometers of her house? Why can't we go and visit somebody? Like, you know, I, I they're not coming out and really explaining anything like that to you. They're just telling you this is what we're doing. This is what we have to do. And it's because of these people, this is why we're doing it. It's the same bloody mantra every day in those press conferences. Like, you know, it's... Another two weeks, another two weeks. We need a bit more. We need a bit more. Fuck off. I, I can't it, give any more. It's crazy. Yeah, no, I, I'm the same. Like, you know, and I feel I'm a, lot, I'm a lot better prepared now mentally, I think, for what's going to come over the next 12 months the way I was in the last 18 months. Like, you know, I, I've done a lot of work on my mental health in the last six months and I feel a lot better for it. Um, 
So, like, you know, I'm not optimistic about anything, really. I'm just more realistic. Like, you know, we hear a lot of positive stuff coming from the UK. Okay, yeah, but I'm of the opinion governments will say what they want to hear, will say what the people want to hear. I'll believe that on the 21st of June when everything's open. Mm. And, in t- and then, like, in, in the middle of July, things they're not regressing then in terms of restrictions. Um, that's when I will start believing it, like... It's great now, at this moment in time, we're planning shows. Like, you know, we've announced a show in Fabric in London in October. We're doing other stuff with Good Grief um, in the north of England. I'm, I'm talking to a lot of other peop- people about shows now, which is really good, but I don't know if they're going to happen or not. Yeah. Like, you know, uh, but I feel like I have to be working towards them um, for my own sanity. You know? Yeah, man. I'll believe it when I see a picture of Shogs with his top off and a bottle of glass <laughs> in his hand. Yeah. That's when I believe that is happening. But it's, when he's dancing around DJ boxes in the Telegraph yeah. as well, now right, we're back. <laughs> yeah, that's that's when you know life will be back to normal. But the, the people that are mostly affected by it are the ones that need to kind of shelter or cocoon. Because you were saying before there, a couple of minutes ago, who's going to pay for all this? It's going to be generations of Irish people to come are going to be paying back this. Like, our children, their grandchildren, they'll all be paying it back in tax. And you were saying before, who's paying for this? Who's going to pay for this? It's no secret that it's going to be privately owned banks that are going to be lending Ireland the money for us to get it, to us to have an economic recovery. So, like... I don't know too much about this, but my own opinion would be if you're going to be given a country 10 trillion euros to fit to, to fix your economy, you have no influence on that country. You would be absolutely extremely naive to believe that people that control the money don't control the world. They do. <laughs> like, yeah. That's just the way it is. Now, that's not conspiracy theory. That's fact. That's, that's fact. God, the information is out there. There's a small amount of people that control the world. And when I say they control the world, they control the money. They control pharma. They control medical stuff. You know, they control, like, resources. They control anything that you need. You know, so any of these big, like, worldwide events that happen where there's massive change in the world, these people are heavily involved in it. Like, you know, so... To say that's a conspiracy theory is wrong. It's not a conspiracy theory. It's just information. The reason why a lot of most people don't know about it is it's just not reported because they own the media. So, like, you know, nobody is going, no mainstream media station is going to uh, start talking neg- neg- negatively about Bill Gates when he gives them 20 million a year. Mm. Like, why would you do that? He'll pull your funding. So, like, you know, we have this guy who uh, was a computer salesman, set up a computer company. Now, this guy's in charge of the world's health. Why? Because he has the money to do it. That's why he bought into it. So now he's the biggest sponsor of the World Health Organization, him and China. They give the World Health Organization the most money. It used to be America, too, and then Donald Trump pulled, pulled it out, pulled the money out. So you're trying to tell me you don't have influence on somebody and, and, uh, if you're giving them money? Of course you do. That's how politics works. Like, we give you money, you do something for us. You don't do that, we don't give you money. So, like, you know, 
that's kind of the way that's kind of the way of the world and it, that does worry me a little bit sometimes Brian that like how long is this stuff going to go on for and how long are we going to be paying this back like you know you hear a lot of uh, you know you know, hear a lot of talk about the great resets and stuff like that and, like I don't I don't look into that too much because I don't really have a lot of control on it but the people that have all the money, they're the ones driving that agenda. And they're the ones driving the climate change agenda, all this type of stuff, because it's a way of implementing new policies for the world to abide by that benefits the small few. Yeah, and speaking about uh, climate change and stuff, you, you look at what what's one of the main industry that's affected at the moment and has been spoken about carbon footprint and all that over the Aviation. last year. Aviation. What's, what industry isn't in operation at the moment? Aviation. Yeah, no, it's, uh, you know... Compl- look, I want to put this out there, right? I could be talking shy and completely wrong about all of this stuff. This is just stuff that goes through my head and it could be a possibility. That's all. It probably isn't. That's fair enough. I fully accept that I could be completely wrong on all this stuff. It's just, from the very start about all this stuff, I just feel like there's so much shit going on. And the thing that annoys me, I'm walking around and I'm just looking at people and it just looks like, Lemmings, man. Do you remember that yeah. game Lemmings where they used to walk to the edge of the cliff and they just fall off? It just feels yeah. like uh, no, no people walking around outside wearing masks. Why? Why? Yeah, You're in the open air. Why are you wearing a mask outside? It doesn't make any sense at all. See, this this goes back to the censorship thing. Like, we don't really get many explanations as to why we have to wear masks. You know, show, me like, the evi- yeah. show me the evidence that they do anything outside in the open air. But then, you know, you have all these people coming on and giving you reasons why masks are not beneficial. They're censored. You know, that information is debunked by fact checkers yeah. who, like, are the same people who control the media. So the people that are fact checking stuff are the same, the, the big media corporations. Neil, there was, so, there was this famous... Um, neuro i think she's a neuroscientist and she did a big report explaining the dangers of masks and all that and about two days later there was a huge smear campaign against her i can't remember her name but basically she came out with this big report saying that they're doing so much damage and i don't know from where i don't wear a mask i wear a snood which is me like, too i'm exactly the same i won't yeah. wear a mask because they make me feel ill when i wear them when i wear them i get a pain in my throat i feel disgusting at least with a snood, it's something I can just pull up and it's not a mask. I don't feel like I'm being, I'm doing it through my own sort of free will. I don't feel like I'm doing it because I've been told to do it. I mean, that probably sounds stupid as well, but I'm just, I'm being honest. This yeah. podcast is about being honest and I'm going to speak honestly as much as I possibly can. That's yeah. the whole point of this podcast. So when anyone speaks out, it's a smear campaign against them or they're, they're ridiculed straight away. Yeah. Unless, you, unless you told a line of what you're being told. That, that's something, Brian, that really affected my mental health in the last eight months. And it was something, I, I might be repeating myself now, it's something that I just found very hard to accept and digest that, like, you weren't getting the right information. Now, here's another example of that. Our friend Tommy Conway, you know, Element One, for the, anybody listening, he's Element One, really Timmy, good. He was in Timmy and Tommy. Timmy and full Tommy tilt. as well, yeah, Full, full tilt. tilt, exactly, yeah. Check him out. Uh, I don't know if his Facebook pe- pe- his personal Facebook page is private or not, but this was only about a month ago. He put up uh, an article um, 
I can't remember. It was about hydroxychloroquine, is what it was. Facebook came on and fact-checked it to say it was wrong. But it was actually completely right. It was completely right. What he There was no nothing wrong with what he said. And then Facebook fact-checked it. Said, no, that's completely wrong. X, Y, Z. They put a load of false information under his post. And then he had to go back on and debunk them. With all this information. So this is what's going on, Neil. There, so, there. yeah. I then, saw... You, sorry, sorry, go, no, go, on. go. Then you have people, right? You have people on Facebook. This is what really gets to me. It's, it's one of the reasons, like, I really like social media. I want to be honest with you here. A big part of my business is based on social media. And I use it as a way of communicating with people. But this is something that's really driving me nuts at the moment. When someone sees that Facebook fact check debunking something that's true they straight away believe facebook yeah. and that other person is a conspiracy theorist yeah, or is a lunatic because they are trusting the information that facebook is giving them this is where my, this is my issue here so the people that are responsible are the media and the governments and the people that are giving out this wrong information because they're influencing the, the views of the people and then you have all these people then like you know fighting with each other. Like, there's sometimes that they, they must have nothing better to do. Mm. Fighting with each other on Facebook. And it just becomes really, really, really toxic. That worries me going going forward. Like, is there going to be this massive divide in the population? Or, you know, it, it's worrying because it's, it's, a, it's a war of information right now. That's kind of what we're in. Um, and it's the critical thinkers are the ones that are getting the hardest time. Like, you know, I've, I've heard this saying before that, you know, you don't need to understand the world. You don't need a scientific mind. You don't need an academic mind. You need an open, open mind. mind yeah. It's very, very true. Like, you have to question stuff. Um, and this is, this is what's going on on social media now, Brian. Uh, and, and it's crazy. And I saw this, I saw this uh, information as well a couple of months ago. The Irish government now are the biggest funders of media in Ireland. So, like, the Irish government are giving, like, RTE, TV, all these news outlets, millions and millions of euros every month to push an agenda. So, like, nobody on the news is going to say anything bad. Well, first of all, because their editor will say, no, you can't do that. And second of all, they lose their job. Thirdly, the funding would be pulled then if the if the powers in government weren't happy with the reporting that RTE were giving on a certain subject. They say, right, well, like we're paying you to do that. What, like, why aren't you doing it? So it's not like you know normal companies now just uh, paying the national broadcaster to advertise their products. The government are going in now and are a substantial form of revenue for these outlets. So it's turned into a business model. Yeah. You know, so it's, uh, I don't know, like, what, what's, like, you know, what do you think, where do you think we'll be in six months' time? I don't know. I, th- I, th- I don't think we'll be any much further than where we are at the moment, personally. Sometimes I feel we've, we've given away our freedoms very, very easily and quickly based on information, you know, and sometimes I feel when a government will take these freedoms away, they don't give them back very easily that's what i'm worried about like i've had conversations with some people and people are like oh don't be silly neil of course when uh 
all this is over, like everything will go back to normal. As you said, I hope that's true. I hope I'm wrong about everything that I'm saying here and I'm completely off the mark. There'll be no more, no one happier than me, but I find it very, very, uh, right now, difficult to, to believe or to see. Like, you know, I was talking to Craig Connolly there about two weeks ago. Like, I don't really talk, like, there was a period of time and, you know, all my conversations with my artists was about COVID-19 or what's going on in the world. And we kind of don't really, like, we don't even talk about it anymore. But when all the shows started coming back in the UK and I was talking to Craig about uh, some of the shows, I was saying to him, uh, oh, I'm just not sure, like, if, if, if this is all going to happen. But Craig said to me that... The vibe over in the UK is that come the 21st of June, like it's it's back to normal. I hope so. Like, uh, but like, I, I don't know. I, I just, I, I, because of what's gone on in the last 12 months, I struggle to see if that's, if that's going to happen. See, see Neil, know? it's probably got to do with where we're living at the moment in Ireland. There, the UK have been given a roadmap out yeah. of all this. And you look at like Florida and stuff, there was golf on there at the weekend. Spectators at it. Loads of them. Florida is open for business. It's like going from East Germany to West Germany at the at the end it's of the crazy. 80s. Yeah. It's, so I, how can Florida open yet other places can't? And same for Ireland. Why can't Ireland open up safely? Why can't I've it open into, up I've, safely? I've, I've looked into this. Um, I've been following what's going on in America a bit in the last, like, you know, maybe 12 months. Obviously... It's all different states in the US, so you know it's gov- It's they're run by a it's run by a governor. Right, it's not the president make calling the shots. So every governor is different. Florida, have, I think, only had one lockdown. I've lo- I've been looking at videos of people in Florida for the last two months. It's like two thousand and nineteen in Florida. New York have had some really serious draconian lockdowns over the last twelve months. Ivor Cummins put up a graph. Now, I'm not sure if it was his data or data by somebody else. It shows you the hospitalizations and deaths in New York, and it shows you the hospitalization and deaths in Florida. Florida's numbers are, like, much better than uh, New York's. So New York are locking everybody down, but yet there's, there's more people dying and getting infected in New York than there is in Orlando, or sorry, in, in, than there is in Florida, who's opened up. Mm. Why isn't that getting debated? Now, it might be getting debated somewhere in America. I could be wrong. But, like, I have to go to, like, you know, uh, an alternative media portal to get that information. I don't hear, like, you know, I don't hear that being discussed on, like, mainstream channels. Like, why isn't that happening? Like, you look at some of the Eastern European countries right now. They're open. They didn't follow the... You could say the instructions that came from China and the World Health Organization originally, because that's who we, that's all the models that we follow. China locked down, and then and most people followed suits in doing what China did. So the people that didn't follow what they're doing seem to be doing better. C- can we not discuss that? Like it, does, it doesn't get discussed, Neil. That's the thing. There's no debate. If there's any, if if any alternative um, information is brought, it's ridiculed straight away. I remember yeah, I watched a video. There's a video of um, 
of of uh, certain people being questioned in the Irish government, and the question is put to one of them. It's on YouTube. You can I'll, you'll, I'll put a link in the description. Is it, uh, sure. you man McNamara? Is it? It's it's Michael McNamara, the yeah. only TD TD in Ireland is is a, a member of government that is questioning any of this. He was the chair of a, a COVID nineteen committee who recommended all of these things in other ways, and not one of them was used. It's almost as if like they don't want to solve this crisis, man. That's that's the way it seems. But anyway, back to my point. He asked, I don't know whether it was a member of the health service or something, but he asked them, so I want to ask you this question. If, if I fall off a roof, if someone falls off a roof and they die, and they, 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 they get brought into hospital and they test positive for COVID, what does their death go down at? And the fella says, on according to, we, we've been following the World Health Organization guidelines, and according to that, his debt would go down as a COVID debt. Dr. Cody, if somebody who is asymptomatic has no, shows no symptoms whatsoever of COVID and they have a heart attack uh, and are brought to hospital and they're tested and um, it is found that they have COVID and they die soon thereafter, um, but this is somebody who's demonstrated no symptoms whatsoever. Are they recorded as a COVID death or not? If they have tested positive um, for COVID, but ultimately came to hospital because they've had a heart attack or a stroke or fallen off the roof of a building or something like that? Um, we adhere to the World Health Organization uh, case definition in terms of the re recording and reporting of deaths. So in the situation that you describe, where someone has a positive COVID test, then it is a death in a confirmed uh, COVID case. But such a case um, would be subject to a coroner's report as well. And as part of the ongoing uh, validation of the data in our surveillance system, we would uh, take additional details in relation to uh, such Okay, deaths. but a coroner's report, sorry, I, I'm trying to be very brief. Obviously, a, a, a coroner's report takes a very long time to make its way through yes. the system. So for, for now, um, they are recorded as a COVID death, but it may be that they are taken off that list at a later date. Is that what you're saying? That's it, exactly. Thank yes. you very much. Thank you. Uh, if somebody is admitted to a hospital, uh, with a they're asymptomatic with a broken leg, for example, uh, and require hospitalisation and they're tested and they are asymptomatic but test positive, are they included among the statistics of those in hospital with COVID? Um, yes, they are. They're if they have tested positive, then they're... Okay, uh, so they, even though the, the reason they were admitted may not have been COVID, they may have been admitted with a broken leg or a heart mm -hmm. attack or something unrelated to, to COVID, they are classified as, as being in hospital with COVID. They're included in the stats of those who are hospitalised with COVID at the moment. They are included Thanks. in the uh, surveillance statistics, yeah. Great, thank you. Uh, and they're the statistics that are relayed at the daily press conferences. Yeah, okay, thank you. And also I'll just look it up here. Sorry to keep you waiting here, but this is a tweet that was put out um, last year by Leo Varadkar. Sorry, one sec. See, a lot of the stuff now that you're describing there was the stuff that kind of tipped me mentally over yeah. the edge. Yeah, um, and I'm, I'm, see, we've, we've probably talked, uh, for anyone listening in who's probably not really interested, I'm sorry if, if this is dragging on a little bit, but... It's we can talk more about the music stuff yeah, after it's, this. It's anyway, like yeah. it's, cool. it's, 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 just, it's something that me and Neil had discussed 
and I want this podcast I don't want this podcast just to be about music and all this I want to discuss stuff that's this stuff is affecting me it's affecting Neil and it's it's stuff that we're discussing and it's probably stuff that people haven't heard that their views are being skewed by hearing other stuff so we just want you to hear some of the alternative stuff that we've seen so for anyone listening Leo Varadkar is the the tarnished in, Ar- in Ireland which is the second in command of the country and this is what he said last year he said in Ireland we counted all deaths in all settings suspected cases even when no lab test was done so even when it wasn't proven and we included people with underlying terminal illnesses who died with COVID but not of it so, so that's what he's publicly admitting on his Twitter so if that's what he's publicly admitting to people, what are they not telling us, Neil? Yeah, that's what I'm me. thinking, man. I hear you, man. I know. Uh, 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 just touching on again, uh, your man McNamara, uh, Michael McNamara is it? Michael McNamara's his name, yeah. Yeah. Um, he there was he was in he was in the Oireachtas again. Anybody does know the Oireachtas is just a kind of another place in uh, government where they discuss all this type of stuff. And he was talking about the influence of the media um, on people during the COVID-19 pandemic in Ireland. And he highlighted examples of when the media lied. Yeah. So they're lying about him. He came out and spoke out about certain policies or stuff that they were doing. The media then tried to sully his name and attack him and made up a lie. So he stood up there in that Oireachtas or the Shannon or whatever it was and said that. Mm. The only portal that I think that I have seen where that, that content is, is on his Twitter. Uh, Twitter and Facebook. Not one journalist had the backbone to pick up that story and report it. There's a, a, an Irish politician Probably the only Irish politician I rate because yeah. I think he's asking the right questions. I wouldn't have a, I wouldn't have a second of time. For that just shows you how low that the level has become, Neil. A politician doing his job that he should be doing, and we're praising him. This is what this is what it's come to. This is how insane the world has come. There's a quote in the film uh, "Men in Black." It's uh, a person is smart and people are stupid, and. That's, that's, like, have you ever seen anybody or people getting onto a Ryanair flight? Have you ever seen so many um, grown-up people show so much confusion in all your life? Yeah, it's gosh. What happens to people? spend years on planes, you know? Like, I swear, (laughs) I swear to God, this, 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 I heard someone say this on a plane. I heard someone get on the plane at the front, show the girl her ticket and say, I thought Road 31 would be up the front. (laughs) I... Swear to God, I heard that. Oh, see, like there you go. Like, like people are people are very very easily influenced. Probably coming back to more along the lines of them, like what 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 have been the things that have helped you cope over the past year with with dealing with all of this? Like, um, it's been tough. Uh, well, first of all, obviously the support of my wife, like you know, who's absolutely unbelievable. Um, my friends around me, people that I could relate to, like I really good conversations with yourself, um, really good conversations with other close friends. Um, but it's, it's, it's probably working that's keep, kept me sane. I, I, 
since this has happened, I've completely changed the way uh, I work now and how I earn money. Like before, um, how can I put it? Like I was always kind of involved. I was always involved in the management and creative stuff, but you know, the kind of revenue was like so like, you know, it was really dr driven by shows. So when shows dried up, um, I kind of thought to myself, you know, okay, well, like, you know, maybe I'm going to have six months off because, uh, like, you know, nobody's kind of going to really want to do anything. Um, but I think it was maybe around the middle of April. Uh, I had conversations with Giuseppe and conversations with Craig and they really, really wanted to kind of keep pushing and keep going. And they wanted me to continue working with them. So that kind of, I was like, well, that, that's, that's, that's grand. And I have something, I'm going to stay in the game. Um, and I also can keep my brain ticking over, thinking of creative ideas and working with the guys on creative ideas. So that's ultimately what's got me through, knowing that I still had people around me that understood me and believed in me, still wanted me to work with them. Um, and we've just kind of gone from strength to strength since then. So if we're lucky enough for like the world to get back to normal, I would definitely feel I'm a more rounded professional than I was before. Like I understand a lot more about generating revenue outside of shows now. Like, you know, all licensing, publishing, like royalties. We worked on the masterclass together um, with Giuseppe, which was like unbelievable. Like, so there's all this type of stuff now that I've learned and skills that I've picked up that when things do come back, I like, you know, I wouldn't just class myself now as a booking agent. I would just be an all round music manager who works on people's bookings, but also is heavily involved in the creative side of things um, with Craig and Giuseppe. So that's, that's, kind of, that's kind of what's got me through it. Um, and talking, like that's, I want, that's one thing I cannot stress enough to anybody out there who's feeling low or thinks they're in a dark place. You have to talk. The only way you're going to feel better about anything is talking to people that you know like, you know, you can say, you know that they love you. They have your best interests at heart and tell them how you're feeling. Mm. You know, that's, that's, that's the, that's the one thing I'd say to anybody. Um, yeah, you know, and focusing on positives, Brian, that's a key thing. I always feel that positivity breeds positivity. If you, if you have yourself in a place where it's just negative all the time, things are going to be negative. Um, yeah. nothing's going to be, nothing's going to be positive. You know, it's just, it snowballs into this big blur of negativity is the only way that I could, uh, explain it. So that, that's, that's the type of stuff, uh, that's got me through it. And there's, I still have dark days, not going to lie. Um, there is still dark days, but you know, you, you've got to try and focus on positive stuff. Oh, what, what sort of um, has there been any new things that you've implemented into your life to sort of deal with those dark days or those sort of dark negative thought patterns or anything like that over the past year that you've never done before yeah well, there's two things now are fundamental to my kind of routine um, for one is meditation I started doing a lot of meditation um, probably around November I always remember like Emma 
saying to me that like you know your humors because I was like, just like you know it's just just wasn't wasn't right in the head it's the only way I can describe it uh, your humors are dictating the energy in the house and I didn't feel too good hearing that you know so I started like you know and funny enough Emma was always kind of saying it to me about meditating and I was kind of just ah, not for me and then I was talking to Tommy Conway about it and uh, who kind of you know would have the same kind of views as what we would have he told me about meditation too and said it really helped him so I just started trying I just started doing it and I downloaded the balance app it's an app for iOS and I just started getting into a routine of doing that every day but then also Emma bought me this diary called a six minute diary that has been a godsend to me it's just a diary, like a, a positive thought diary where three minutes in the morning, you write down some thought. They ask you some questions. The book asks you some questions, you write them down. Three minutes in the evening, they ask you different questions, you write them down. You get to the end of the week. There's like a habit tracker there. And then they ask you questions based on maybe the week. But when you get into a, a routine of doing that, it just becomes a thing that you do. So you're starting the day off with positive thoughts and you're ending the day off. You're ending the day with positive thoughts. It's a simple yeah. thing, but it really, really works. It's, so it's almost that's stuff like I'd a, recommend. Yeah, it's almost like a form of CBT, which would be cognitive behavioral therapy, where you're okay. sort of you're changing the sort of questions that you're asking yourself, because that's all t- thinking really is. It's, it's you're asking questions and then you're answering them in your own head. So. If you're asking a better question, you're going to get a better answer and you're going to sort of feel better about yourself and you're sort of going to um, uh, deal with your days deal with your days better. So the, the type of stuff you were speaking about there with the journal and stuff, that's uh, similar to what I was sort of recommended in the, the bonus podcast I did on the negativity bias and the inner critic, where like you're when you're at the end of the day, you're writing down things you're grateful for and you're writing down everything that you did. And then when you actually see it on a bit of paper, you're going to see that you actually did a lot more than you actually thought. So then you're going to have a better sense of self-worth and feel better about things you've done through the day and all that, that, that type of thing. So it's, it's, it's really important, especially now with so much negativity, all that shit going around, that you focus on that type of stuff to improve your overall well-being and how you're feeling on a day-to-day basis so i think what you said it's really beneficial to you yeah oh absolutely and i never really gave mental health much credence until eight months ago i would have always classed myself as like a happy-go-lucky guy full of energy you hear him before you see him he's always the loudest in the room like always try laughing, always trying to make other people laugh, always trying to cheer other people up, interested in what other people are doing. To someone that just was the complete opposite of that. Um, you know, I always remember, it was kind of the end of November is when I kind of really, really hit low points. But you just got to have to work on yourself. Um, so I am very interested in mental health going forward which I kind of class as a positive thing to come out of this pandemic for me. And one thing I really do like as well, I see a lot of people on my social media timelines, like, you know, doing meditating, doing morning swims, um, you know, just doing, uh, what, what would be the word? Self-help stuff, mental awareness stuff. I see a lot of it from a lot of different people. 
that's something I'm really happy about what's happening now. As someone that's kind of experienced a dark time and to kind to kind of come through it. I probably I could have dark times again, but at least yeah, I know how to handle it. Yeah, I'm sure I will. At least I know how to handle them now. So I'm really happy to see other people doing the same stuff. So sometimes I kind of look at that and say to myself, I wonder were they going through, you know, were they feeling like I was feeling or they must have been to be kind of doing all this stuff now because you can only make yourself you feel better first and foremost. Like you can get all the advice off other people in the world, you know, you can ask other people what to do, but like you have to, it has to come from within first. Once it comes from within, you're, I think you're always on the right road yeah, then. Everything, you know? everything is hap- everything that you experience is happening in here. Everything. Like yeah. nothing that happens outside, it's all in here. And I'll, I'll give you a little example. Just close your eyes. Just close your eyes. And anyone, anyone listening in, right? So picture yourself in a, a classroom. Say you're back in school, right? So I'm standing here and I'm standing in front of the, the the blackboard in the class and I take my nails and I drag them down the the blackboard. Now, can you hear that noise? Can you feel it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I nearly pinched the There you go. That proves it, man. Your mind cannot tell the difference between something you imagine and something that's actually happening in your real life. So that that's... That's the thing. You experience everything. You experience is exper- you experience everything in here. Like so, you need to take ownership of how the the information you're taking in. Like we've spoken a lot about COVID and its effect on us. And but for yourself and myself, we realise that that that's something that we need to keep an eye on because we can't like we can't change the world, man. We can only change our own world you know, and what's going yeah. on in in our own lives on a day to day basis. So. We have to sort of limit all that that stuff and focus on what we can do and things like that. And like I, I've a lot, of, I've a lot of experience. Like you, I know f- last year was the first time that you've probably ever experienced feeling having a really bad level of mental health. And it was the f- it's 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 probably really scary to sort of experience that for the first time because. I I nearly have a fucking PhD in dealing with mental health stuff at this stage, man. Like it's twelve years, or twelve, ten, eleven, twelve years. I, I've had bouts of uh, chronic anxiety and stuff, and I I think you were one of the first person that I ever spoke about having having it. This would have been ten or eleven years ago. Yeah, I, I, I always remember those conversations. Mm. Yeah, but in a way, it 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 was probably just my own. It, it was my inner self that that it it's it's. That my true self. It's that's the that's the thing that when you you're doing your meditation and you're going to that quiet place and you hear that quiet voice in your head. That was probably just that voice speaking to me, saying that the way you're living your life at the moment isn't working. You need to change it, and it brought me on a different a different path in life with, with looking after myself, taking care of my health, and and all that type of stuff. And I think a lot of it had to do with, because at that time I'd finished doing my normal job and I moved into doing music full time. So I was responsible for everything in, in my life. I was responsible for my, for my health, everything. And I was responsible for my income. And, and it, it was a scary thing, man. Like I, I was relying on myself in order to to survive, you know. So it, it was difficult, but I adapted. I learned. I kept kept on learning. And that's what I've done over the past 10, 11 years. Like this, 
I, I do sort of believe that things happen for a reason and as as challenging as the moments that I've had life is it life is a series of moments like things change from moment to moment to moment it's it you, there'll be phases where you feel down there'll be phases where you feel up but it's it's in constant flux so your feelings come and go your thoughts come and go like they're not you you're you're the person that's experiencing all of this and I know from reading so many books in different schools of psychology and 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 I've learned a lot over the past 10 11 years and as as difficult as the last year has been I feel that I'm fairly well equipped to deal with whatever's happening now don't get me wrong I still have bad days and I've had to deal with a lot of shit over the past year personally uh, and, and stuff but the fact that I've gone through all of those tough moments in my past has sort of helped me so and I, I feel that I'm good at giving advice to other people I'm better at giving advice to other people about how to deal with this stuff rather than I don't I, I should probably take my own advice a little bit more at times but I think that's the same for everybody too yeah. some people find it harder to take their own advice than other people's yeah but um, we're, we're talking about dark moments and one of our darkest moments would have been in Paris <laughs> right, in 2009 so for, for anyone listening in or for watching myself and Neil and Neil's mother went to uh, Paris in 2009 for a World, World Cup qualifier between Ireland and France and this 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 all links in together. I promise you, it's it's it it, it it'll all link in together. So um, we travelled to Paris to see Ireland play against France, and <laughs> we had a bit of a wild day during the day in Paris. Neil, I think you were telling me that uh, I was getting sick at the bottom of the Eiffel Tower. I'll take that vision to the grave with Good. me. Like I'm not going to lie, Brian getting sick under the Eiffel Tower. <laughs> Hammered, absolutely hammered having the time of my life but for anyone that 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 wasn't aware of this game during this game there was it was when Thierry Henry handled the ball twice and Ireland got knocked out of the World Cup and there was a a huge sense of injustice and Neil I think you'll remember walking out of the stadium because this was before like we had iPhones or anything like that we didn't really know and there was no um there was no uh, screens in the stadium that showed us what happened right. and we had no idea what was going on. But we, we, we were getting texts in to tell us what, what, ha- what was happening and the, the injustice and the anger that we felt. And it probably ties into the last year we feel there's a sense of injustice and anger. So we're going through the same shit again, man. It's the Thierry Henry effect, basically. <laughs> it's what's the Henry called. effect, that's brilliant. Yeah, so... <laughs> remember we were walking around Paris we had to sleep rough at the bus station to get the bus back and then we got the bus we got back to the airport the next morning all over the papers the hand of frog bit racist but I don't think you get away with saying that in the paper now but the picture of him handling the ball twice and it was just it was horrible so this is where I'm going to link the story in I was watching Monday Night Football the other night and Thierry Henry was a guest on the show. And Adele is well aware of my feelings toward Thierry Henry, the effect that that night had on me. And I always remember, um, do you remember that fucking song, I've Got a Feeling, that David Guetta song? 
that yeah, came black, on. Black Eyed Peas, I think, wasn't it? Every yeah. time that song comes on the radio, I turn it off straight away. And at my wedding, that was a song that I told the band they were not to fucking play. <laughs> I swear to God, I would have jumped up on stage and, and pulled out their equipment if they played it. That's how strongly I feel about that song. But Thierry Henry was on Monday Night Football the other night. And Edel asked me, do I still hate him? And I was there, I, I don't really know, no. And, and he started talking and he was describing his experience. Um, he works, he's a manager over in Canada at the moment. And he's been in quarantine for something like, because of he was traveling to, to play the games. He spent something like 150 days in his hotel room within the past year. And then he started talking about uh, how... It, how he really struggled with it because he was being left alone with his own thoughts and it's a dangerous place to be. And I actually, she asked me, did I feel anything bad towards him beforehand? I actually felt really sorry for him when he said things like that because then I got to see the human side of yeah. someone that I that I really was. I, I had anger towards and I actually felt sorry for him. And I, then I realised that it doesn't matter how famous you are, how talented you are, Everyone thinks fucking mad shit, man. Everyone is afraid to be alone with their own thoughts at times. It was it, I thought it was a really interesting thing. And I thought it was it was it was mad the way that, that he said that on the week that I was speaking to you on this podcast. <laughs> it was it, it was like it was serendipitous the way it all sort of worked together. So like That's the universe coming yeah, together. Yeah man, yeah, yeah. It was it was mad. But, but you uh, make you make a very good point there though. You you'll no matter what, like, you know, opinions you have on somebody, like, you can always understand them better when you can relate to them on a human level. Yeah. Because um, Thierry Henry was always just this fucking prick who ruined our lives at that time. Like, you know, you know, but then when you when you see him then talking about something that you can really relate to, they just become more human. Like, you yeah. know, you've, you've summed it up perfectly there. Like, like, you know, you, you really have. Like, money and fame and all. Money might bring you security, but it doesn't bring you happiness. And I've I've sort of... Uh, I'm, not, I'm not famous. Like, people who are into music might know who I am. In, That's in different. A, in a, in a That's different. In a certain... Yeah. Group, a you demographic. Are, you if, if you're yeah, into, demographic, that's the word. If you're into a certain type of music, you know who I am. But you it's are, not, you'll, be, you'll be famous enough. It's not where I'm walking down the street and people are fucking whispering or fucking taking pictures of me. Oh, look, come on here. Let's be honest here. Now we were on a. Well, I wasn't there, but all our friends have told us we were on a flight to Luminosity. And it was a flight to one of our friends' birthdays, and a couple of girls uh, oh, noticed who you were and started singing all over again. Yeah, I, had a, yeah. I think there's a video of that going around somewhere. <laughs> yeah, well, that's that's what happens when you go to Amsterdam on the weekend at ASA on, on a flight with a load of Irish people that are going to ASA. And he picked, my mate was having his birthday, and we were going to Amsterdam. I wasn't playing at ASA, so I was, I was going away with him for the weekend for to celebrate his birthday. And he managed. <laughs> Here's the universe at work again. <laughs> he managed to pick a row on the plane where it was literally sandwiched in between about 20 people going to ASA. And for an hour and a half, I had a boom speaker in my ear with, with <laughs> all, all, over, over, all again. over again being going into my ear. Yeah. That's when you know you've made it, right? Yeah, that's, that's, that's it exactly. Yeah. But, but, but uh, yeah, like. You Come do make back. a very sorry. And you no, do you go very, ahead. Sorry, you sorry. do make a very good point there, like you know about the money and stuff, and 
it's kind of what made me uh, realize now, like that after what's happened in the last twelve months, like money. I, w- I wouldn't say I was money driven, like, but I was kind of of the opinion that I was operating, like, you know, at a very high level, and I was I was making, like, I wouldn't say like a lot of money, but like I was ma- I was carving out a really comfortable life for myself with the business that we still have, but that was operating at the level that it was at the time. But I've realized now, that was a big say, like, you know, I don't know, six months into this stuff, that was becoming a worry for me then, like money, X, Y, like money and what was going to happen. I think you've talked about it before as well. Like, you know, you know you're, you're worried about your career and stuff. I was the same. But after what's happened now, I've kind of got myself into a state of mind where money is definitely not everything. Um, no, I, I've realised now what uh, me, Emma, and our household can live on. Like, you know, and I'm probably happier now than I have been. In I said this to Emma the other day. This is the happiest I've been now in years. Like, we've got two amazing dogs. We just want a camper van. We have a home. We can pay our mortgage. That's really all I need at the moment now. Like, and before this all started, my life was a hundred miles. Well, before the, the pandemic started, my life was a hundred miles an hour. Like, you know, working like five, five days a week, you know, 10, 12 hours a day, then going away on weekends on tour with some artists, like to about five miles an hour. Now, obviously, if the world opens back up, the speed of my life is going to increase, but it's definitely made me aware of how much work I'll take on in the future. Yeah, uh, that's that's exactly the same for me. Like, I'm a very um, ambitious person and, like, I've worked really hard over the past few years and I've goals and ambitions about moving up in the world and, like, living in a bigger house and all that egotistical shit that doesn't really matter. But yeah. to be, I'm just being honest, I, I have goals of ambitions. I'd like to live in a nicer house. I'd like to... I don't know, maybe I'd like to live somewhere outside of Ireland at some stage. And over the past year, that really hasn't forced that. To me, I, I just, I'm, I love being in the sun, man. I, I really yeah. love it. Like, so maybe it's something I will do. But, but coming back to that, you're speaking about in the last year, there's been times where you've been happier than you'd ever been. I'm exactly the same. Like, uh, like, I did. I was I was burnt out, man, with with with, with, with life and traveling around the world, and all I was doing was I was coming home, making music, traveling, coming home. I was I was it's I was lonely, man, really fucking lonely. Like I I'm coming home here, sitting at home by myself, no interaction. And I remember I was here one day after coming back, and it was probably a Wednesday afternoon, and the weather was really good, and I'm sitting out the back chilling out, but I'm just sitting there by myself, and I'm just thinking like. I, I, I'm, I have a successful job. I'm doing well in life, but I, I feel like I could. I, there's more to life than this. Like than sitting on my own, like doing nothing, and yeah, like don't underestimate the the impact that being around other people and having a laugh and like I think you're happiest in life when you forget yourself when you're when you're not aware when you're sort of in the zone and you're just talking to people and. You're for, you're not thinking about yourself. You're, you're talking with people and you're yeah. living your life. And like I, I just felt like I was just living in my own head all the time with no one to talk to. Because Adele was going into work, so I'm here all day by myself. I'm flying all over the world and not 
really I'm by myself all the time it was it was it was fucking lonely so t- to have someone with me every single day for the past year has has been fantastic you know we, we haven't had an argument in, in a fucking year I swear to god man we haven't had a fight in a year it's mad we've, we've grown closer and closer every day but the thing that's scaring me as well man is the fact that I haven't been on my own in over a year I'm like, is, is it going to be difficult to do that when things do go back to normal am I going to find that difficult to live with or like Am I going to enjoy traveling away and going away? I'm sure I will, but the fact that I haven't been by myself for a year, I'm probably like, what do I do? You know what I mean? When, you, when no, you're so I, yeah. used to being around someone, like it's, it, it's a genuine concern. And I'm sure there's other people that feel the same. There's probably people out there who can't fucking wait to get away from whoever yeah. they're away. <laughs> I'm but sure there is. <laughs> there's different ways of looking at it. Yes, yeah, it's, it's, you know, it's just the fact that I went from being on my own all the time to not being on my own, and now the, th- the thoughts of me by- being by myself again are, t- are scary, you know. And will you take any measures to not be on your own somewhat? Say, for example, when Adele goes back to work, will you be doing more stuff yeah, to kind of yeah, counteract yeah. that now? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So that's a lot of the positive stuff that's going to come out of like. Uh, this COVID-19 situation is that people, now you might have always been more self-aware, but people are going to take measures like that now to kind of, I don't know, they're just more aware of kind of what makes them yeah, tick. The, the, the thing right? is, man, there's been self-aware and then there's been obsessed with, with everything and you're obsessed with yourself and thinking too much about everything that goes on in your life. And that's probably the stage where I was at. I just think about, I was just in my own head, focusing on myself too much. I probably did have neglected my friends and not gone to see them and having nights out and I've missed so many birthdays and nights out and they're things that I can never get back and yeah. that's something that I have to live with but I, I, I just, felt like that too Brian yeah like, like I, I I just I, I, I f- I'm fucking lo- I love my job and I'm passionate for it and I fully believe that this was what I was meant to do with my life so I've I've given everything I have to do in my job but at the same time, I've probably neglected my mates. I've probably neglected my personal side. And there's probably a lot of stuff that I've missed out. But I've probably, over the past year, I've never been in contact more with my mates than I have been. So yeah, I'm, I'm probably closer too. to my mates now than I've ever been. And like, coming back in, we're talking about looking after yourself, self-care, fitness and stuff. Myself and yourself are part of a WhatsApp group that was set up at the beginning of March where we're looking mm-hmm. to do like 100 kilometers or just basically increase your fitness for the month. And I found that that's been brilliant, man. Like Hasn't it just? Yeah. Has it been really good? Yeah. Just, you see, like we're motivating each other, we're talking to each other, giving each other pats on the back because it's always nice to get a bit of appreciation, a pat it's on the back. Great. And to be honest with you, when I don't do a long walk in like two days, I'm like, I need to go on the walk there now so I can print screen that walk into that WhatsApp, yeah. into the WhatsApp group. Like, you know, so it really has spurred people on. And it gives you the motivation then to go out and, and do it because one of the lads in the group he got up off his arse and he did it and I, I was I remember it was this day last week I was sort of sitting here in the studio and I was sort of just like and then I read his message where he was after doing really well and I said right fuck this I got me runners on I went out and did a run and I broke my personal best for, for the 5k That's right. and yeah. like I wouldn't have done it unless I was in that group and we were motivating each other and we were doing it so for, for anyone listening watching 
set up a WhatsApp group with some of your mates as a way of motivating you to do more with your days. It's when you're in a group like that, you're talking with each other, you can have a bit of a laugh. It's it's you're 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 developing more of a bond with your friends. It's it, nothing bad can come from it. So it's 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 been really 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 cool, and uh, I think it's something we should keep going for yeah. as long as we're locked down. It's just well, it's a, sorry, go ahead. But that's one thing that I want to do. A lot of the kind of really good habits that I've picked up in the last six months, I'm gonna absolutely make sure I keep them going through my life because. They definitely make me feel better. Like the meditating, I used to meditate religiously. Probably sometimes too much, two or twice a day. That's sometimes I did. I did three. Overkill. I actually haven't meditated in a week because I felt really, really good. I haven't had any of these thoughts racing through my head or being overwhelmed by any of these thoughts or like I've only I had one panic attack. Uh, I had a oh god I, it was a couple of months ago I'll never forget it but I haven't had any of the you know the heavy breathing or in a while because I've just felt really really good but the meditating the six minute diary the going for walks the eating better the one thing I will suggest to anybody that's listening here that's something that has helped me enormously do not look at your phone for the first 90 minutes in the morning that has been key to me, and that's something that was uh, it was explained to me in the six minute diary that your first hour to an hour and a half in the morning should be all about you, yeah, because it's the most important part of the day. Like I used to go, uh, I used to be in the mornings, like my phone, I not that I had an alarm, I'd wake up, boom, straight to the locker, boom, phone right in front of me, like all right, okay, twenty seven WhatsApp messages, open up WhatsApp. Four of them are really fucking negative. Mushroom cloud straight away. I haven't even got out of bed and like, oh my God, my day is going to be so shit today because there's a problem with this promoter. There's a problem with this gig. There's an artist looking for this. So I hadn't even got out of bed and my heart was beating fast. You know, you need to eradicate all that. Don't start your work until you're absolutely ready to start your work. No matter what you're doing, go for a walk, spend time with a person that you love Walk your, do- walk your dog if you have one. Just do something that really makes you happy. Because when you do that every morning, you'll be surprised at how better your days are. Like, yeah, it's that's, crazy. That's what I do at night time. At nine o'clock at night, I turn my notifications off on WhatsApp and I don't go near my phone. And that's still the next morning. And it just means that when you say, the only reason I'd use my phone in the morning would just be to sync my Fitbit, just to see my sleep and that. And that's really beneficial. And what you're saying is exactly right as well. And what I've done a couple of times in the past um, few weeks, specifically on a Sunday, is I just don't go on my phone. Yeah, I just leave right. it in, in the room and I don't go on it, man. And it's it's liberating. It really is. It's It does wonders for your head. And it, it just really shows you you're just taking in this information all the time. And when you just give your brain a little bit of a break, your body is absolutely loving it. So yeah. just give it a go. Even like if you don't want to do it for the whole day or if you're waiting for a phone call or something, do it for an hour, do it for two hours, do it for three hours and just just take a break from it. Like just maybe even if you're just chilling out, just don't go near your phone and just watch a film with someone and be completely present and just watch the film, not be on your phone and doing the two of them. But it's, it's you're giving yourself a break and like... 
phones are great. They're, they're especially now for for keeping in contact with people and all that type of thing. But it, it's nice to take a break as well. And especially in the last couple of days, man, the weather in Ireland has actually been really good. And, yeah. Um, a little bit of colour on my face, a little bit. Uh, yeah, you're looking a bit sun-kissed yeah, there, yeah. I must say. Right. And <laughs> as soon as we finish this podcast, I'll be straight out with me top of the back end. But, uh, but yeah, yeah, no, but like, what I've been doing is I've just been reading a book, uh, out in the back garden reading a book, and it's it's so relaxing, man. It, yeah. It's, so cool like and I've it's a habit Brian that people need to get themselves into it doesn't happen easy yeah. like if, you, if you're used to being on your phone all the time or you know being plugged into something when you take that step away it, at the at the start it's difficult it's like going cold turkey or something it like is, a, a withdrawal. it is yeah, yeah well like you, like, you know we, again we won't go into it because you've talked about it a lot of times in this podcast is that social dilemma but like the social your phone is made to make you addicted to it mm. like that's what it's there for the colours they know the, the, how to release those dopamines in your body to make you look at your phone so it is kind of an addiction so when you break away from your phone you don't feel right. Like, you're like, oh, where's this extension of my life? It's yeah. not in my hand anymore. Like, I need to do something here. So it does take a couple of days to kind of to kind of get used to it. But once you get used to it and you see the benefits, and you'll, oh, sorry, you'll start to feel the benefits, you, there'll be no going back. Like, an example over here is now, like, there is lovely weather here um, today. I'm going away now for the weekend. As soon as I kind of log off this podcast, I have a couple of a little bit more work to do. We're going to pack up that camper van and we are gone. I am zoning out for two days. Like, you know, I'll probably turn my... No, I'll be having my phone because I might be taking photos or I might record a walk that we do. But, like, I will not be looking at social media. I will not be looking at email. Um, I'm off the map. I have a full week's work ahead of me next week because it's been St. Patrick's Week this week. So... I probably only worked about 30% of what I would usually work in a working week now. When I come back in, when I come back into the office on Monday morning, I'm going to be doing cartwheels coming into this office because <laughs> I'm going to be so excited to work yeah. because I haven't worked properly, but I, I will not be, I will not feel like that if I was like on my phone all weekend or chatting trance or something you need to have that break in you know in order to, to recharge your batteries to get you operating at 100 percent. you know because then them, them, them detoxes are great yeah coming back to the, the thing you were saying about the uh, the panic attack that you experienced could you sort of describe the the sensations or what you actually went through when, when it happened i got into bed and like everything just got like re everything was really dark like really, really, really dark, and my one of my dogs, uh, Drogo, two two pugs, Tyrion and Drogo. Drogo was in the bed with me, and I couldn't find my phone. Like you know, I knew they're like you know what's it called, snow stars in the bed. Like where, where's my snow phone? Angel. Snow angel. And I couldn't find it. So like, it was and like, it wasn't anything that kind of brought like. I don't know whether it was just the darkness in the room that brought it on, but like I couldn't, I, I, how can I describe it? Like 
Like, first of all, no matter, I was just getting, everything was getting darker and darker and darker and darker and darker and darker. Like, I just, like, I was like, as if I felt like I was going blind. So then, Emma was in, Emma was in the other, another room. Like, we were talking, we weren't fighting or anything. It was a logistical thing that I had the dog, so we were in a spare room. So I wasn't in the dog house around, don't worry. So I, I kind of screamed, like, Emma, and like, she came into the room, she knocked on the light. And when I opened it, when I opened my eyes, like, I had no vision. Like, it was all blurred. I looked at my hands. My hands was all thing. And I said, like, I think I'm having, like, a panic attack. I was like, oh, it'll be okay. Like, sit down. And so I just sat down on the bed. And, you know, she just kind of put her arm around me, let me know I was okay. And things just started to come back to me. But, like, I think it was because everything was... I was so overwhelmed by everything anyway. Anything... Emma, Emma said to me, like, you know, when things were really bad, like, if one thing went wrong with you, 25 things were wrong. Like, everything that was gone wrong the week before. So I felt like because this really situation was happening that I didn't like, I just couldn't handle it. And, like, it was it was the only time in my life I've ever kind of said to somebody, I think we might need to ring an ambulance. Like, I don't feel well. Like... But then, like, you know, I lied back down in the bed. Emma brought the two dogs in. She lied down beside me. Couldn't sleep for about four, four hours after it. Like, you know, it was just crazy. But it wasn't any one overriding emotion that made me feel like that. It was just, it happened. And, like, it, it was, it was, it was crazy. That's, this is the first time I've ever spoken about this, to be honest with you. Um, it was crazy. Uh, but it's never happened again since... I have, like, I also have this uh, strategy that I got from meditating was, I think it's called the 7-4-8 breathing technique. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Breathe in, hold it, and then let... let Breathe in for seven seconds, hold for... Hold for four, four, hold for seven, and let go for eight. It's incredible. Mm. Like, it's incredible. And actually, before we came onto this, I done it... Not, not saying I was nervous, but you know when you kind of go into a situation where you're probably not 100% comfortable with? I, I'd done that breathing for literally for about two minutes, and I swear to God, I couldn't wait to come on here and talk then. Because mm. in my head, I was just thinking, just relax now, like, you're only talking to Brian, everything will be fine. And like here I am now, like, smiling, talking to you. So like, it, like, it really, really, really works. It's uh, the four, seven, eight breathing technique. Um. So that's something now that I've if I ever even felt remotely, I don't really get that anxious anymore. I I was like it was more, I was getting angry, like yeah, um, yeah. I don't really get. I don't really. I I I experience moments where I'm a little bit anxious, but not nowhere near the same levels as I used to. Nowhere. Yeah, me too. I've just got I've got ways of going. My like. The job that we're in brings incredibly stressful um, situations. I'm sure sometimes it's more stressful for the manager than it is for the artist. The artist is going up there playing at a show. A manager then is making sure that everything else is kind of in sync at the time. So I've always kind of felt I've always been really, really good at handling like stress situations. Um, So when all this came about, it was more dealing with emotions and thoughts rather than energy if that yeah, makes sense yeah, yeah. so that was, I've never had any of this kind of feelings before so it was getting to learn how to deal with all this type of stuff um, which was a big turning point but 
to go back to your question about what did the panic attack feel like, I can only explain it Sorry, you know? were you just sort of lying there and it happened, or was there something like were you walking or? No, I was lying on the bed just about to go sleep and draw, right. and the dog started barking. Right. So and this was like you know probably about one in the morning, um, and I knew he needed to get up out of. This might not sound really silly, but it's just the way it is. They, they uh, the drogo started barking, and I think that okay, that's a sign that he wants to go to the toilet. He's like, you know, so I couldn't find my phone. Just could not find my phone anywhere. The more I searched my phone, couldn't find it. And it didn't occur to me just to get up and turn on the lights. I don't know why. Like, it was just, I was just in this really weird situation. Then I went, to, oh, went behind me to open up the curtain. And when I opened up the curtain, the world went darker. <laughs> like, I swear. Sorry like, for laughing. That was fucking laughing. <laughs> you want, man? <laughs> like, the world... This just make it much better when you just fucking laugh about it. Well, I'm glad I can laugh about stuff like yeah. this. Now. The world went darker. And I was like, am I going fucking blind here? Am I going blind? And do you know what I was saying a little bit? Remember Arya Stark in Game of Thrones, which he loses her eyesight? Yeah. Could I get them fucking visions in my head and all? And I'm like, oh, and I'm like, Emma! I think I watch too much Game of Thrones. <laughs> I, it, it was, I think it was like, you know, just not being able to deal with my thoughts. You know, yeah, like... You, just coming back to something else, did you used to have a fear of dogs? So I'm just wondering, has this something got to do with a fear of dogs from the past and something was triggered or something? I don't know. Uh, I, honestly, no, I don't know um, because, like, you know, I've never got it professionally analysed or anything like that. But sometimes I feel no no, no well, I know, no one knows me better than me. Mm. I couldn't process the situation. And it was it, it, that was because... Of all the stuff that was going on for the last few months, all the stuff that was in my head, I was making really rash decisions. Like, you know, professionally not making the right decisions, not saying the right things just in everyday life, getting angry about stuff. I, my brain was not in sync nearly with my personality. It's the only, like, I don't know. It just, I wasn't on kilter. So that that's what I think it was. I just couldn't process just it. Just overwhelmed. Oh, completely and utterly overwhelmed. But I went through about a six-week period of where I was just absolutely, completely overwhelmed every single day. So then I had to go and kind of sort it out. Um, but to get back to the dog scene, yeah, I was bitten by a dog, lived next door. But then when I was about 16 years of age, I was bitten by this dog. as half a greyhound, half an Irish wolfhound called Rex. <laughs> This thing was like a dinosaur. Like, you know, it was like, and it was always this dog that would be around stakes, you know, chasing people. Yeah, and we were yeah. playing a game of football on the green. And I was in goal. The dog was about probably about six feet to the left of me because one of the girls that we hung around at the time, it was her family dog, so he followed her everywhere. But I kicked the ball and the ball kicked the dog. And the dog jumped up and like, sav not savaged me, but I thought he was savaging me, but upended me, ripped off my shirt and everything and all. A big massive cut down here. So I was just always really scared of dogs since then. And then we got a, we got a pug, Tyrion, and uh, I had to just kind of... But first of all, I wasn't scared of him. Or I was saying, like, if I went to your, say if I went to your house and you had a dog, I'd know that that was your dog, mm. so I wouldn't be afraid of it. I was only really kind of afraid of strange dogs. Fear of the unknown. Fear of the unknown. But it was a massive thing for me then to be bringing Tyrion to the park to walk him when all these other dogs were coming up to say hello to Tyrion. Mm. So 
I made it my absolute priority that I was going to like get, understand dog body language. So I immersed myself in YouTube videos for about three weeks, watching about three hours a day, watching different like Caesar Milan. Uh, I can't even remember the others. It's me or the dog. Uh, just, there was loads of them. And now I, but now I just I understand the dogs now. So like while I'm not a professional dog handler, I would feel I'm pretty knowledgeable in dog body language and signs of aggression or where a dog is not comfortable. So it's a prime example of once you understand something, it's it's not like, you know, your fears go or the the perceptions that you had of the way something is is not necessarily the way it is. So it was just I educated myself and now I have two dogs and I swear to God that the they're one of the best things that's ever happened to me, ever. I absolutely loved them. We got our second dog, second pug, Drogo, who's a pug as well. He's from the same kennel as Tyrion. So, like, they're the same doggy da. So, like, they're, like, the image of each other. And, like, you know, they bring so much energy and happiness to mine and Emma's life and to the house that we have. I couldn't be without them, you yeah, know? Same, same. Couldn't be without How are you getting on with Harvey? Yeah, Harvey's deadly, yes. See that there? Can you see my finger? He bit oh, me. I, I, I don't know what he bit. Well, I don't know. He didn't actually bite me. Actually, I was running after him because I couldn't catch him, and I hit me hand off something, and I cut me cut me hand open. But then today, I was trying to catch him again, and he bit me on the exact same spot. But he, he's grand man. Yeah, and that's that's excitement barking though. He just he, he just hasn't learned. And it's like not, he's a, not allowed not to do that. Not a bad bone in his body. He's, he's fantastic. Dogs are just they're unbelievable. Yeah, we man. we look forward to meeting him at some stage. You know, I wish I wish I was. 10% as happy as he is dogs yeah. they're just unbelievable but but coming back to your anxiety thing there and the way you were saying that when you understand it or sorry the, the dogs and understand I don't know if, if I read this somewhere if it just came into my head that anxiety isn't an enemy to be defeated it's a friend that has to be understood okay yeah that, that, I, don't, I wouldn't disagree with that I don't know yeah. I, I don't know whether I made that up or if I read it somewhere but it, it's definitely true like it, it, it's just your body's way of telling you like something the way you're looking at something isn't right here you need to change your approach or how you're living your life isn't working or there's a better way of doing this your body is always trying to help you your mind is always trying to help you so what happened to you was probably just your body saying like there's a pressure cooker going on here and it just it went up and up and up and it just went bang and that's probably what happened man See, I know it's 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 I've never I've never really had a panic attack to be honest. The anxiety attacks and panic attacks are sort of different. The anxiety uh, attacks that I wouldn't even call them attacks. They're ex- ex- anxiety experiences is what I call them because I'm not fucking standing there she- freaking out, scared. You know what I mean? There are two things. One is called depersonalization, and it's it's where you've no idea who you are. You, it's 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 very it, everything just feels very surreal and it happens to me in supermarkets the odd time and if I'm drinking the next day if I'm hungover I can get it that's why I don't really drink that much anymore if any and there's another one called there's derealization and then there's depersonalization is when you sort of everything you just don't know who you are it's, it's weird and then there's a, a derealization is where everything around you just looks really surreal. It's like you're in a dream. It's like when the, your anxiety levels get to that, they just get that high within your own body that everything just becomes 
a bit strange and it can be very unsettling because like to everyone else it looks like you're walking around doing what you're doing but inside your own head you're like this I'm, I'm freaking out here but, but it, it, it's it's perfectly natural and there's nothing dangerous with it and, and you get through it and I spoke about this in it the, the first episode that I did with Shugs and people were telling me they've experienced exactly the same thing and they can relate to it and it's slightly different to the experience that you were saying where you felt like you were going blind <laughs> like that it's it's, it's it's yeah it's it's mad but it's just sometimes we can just put our bodies under so much strain and stress and it's about limiting that and um taking ownership of what's going into our bodies exactly. both mentally and physically in terms of our food in terms of alcohol in terms of all the other things that you might do that we've all done over the years whatever so it's just about taking care of yourself yeah it, it, it totally is and it's been able to handle situations and sometimes I find you can only handle situations with experience you know but it always just boils down to me is being able to handle and process your thoughts now which is something that I've just become a lot better at in the, in the you know in, in the last year and as you, I've heard you say this a few times and it's absolutely true it's only thoughts like you know, like you, you are you are so right in when you when you say that it's only thoughts. It's how you process them. And what I've learned with meditation is that like, you can think of them as passing cars. Like you're sitting on the side of a road, uh, uh, sitting on the side of a road watching cars go by. Sometimes it might be a car every two minutes. Sometimes it could be total gridlock. Sometimes the cars are flying by. They all pass. Yeah. At the end of the day. See, this is the thing. I've read. I've read books where qualified people who are experts in their field describe this and I'll still get a thought in my head that say that's not true that's not true that's how that's how fucking mental this thing is it, but it's, yeah. it's, it's about the, <coughs> excuse me the more you learn about this stuff the more you educate yourself and, and it's about having a, a, a good attitude towards it as well it's, it's to not get bogged down by it all and well, that's it. It's, and it's, yes, it, it, the attitude is everything. It's yeah. how you approach stuff. If you approach something with a bad attitude, the end result will probably not be positive. Yeah. You know, like it's attitude. Attitude uh, is everything. Um, you know. Definitely, definitely, yeah. Uh, but but coming back to that, uh, finishing up a little bit, uh, probably a, a little bit more lighthearted. Obviously, there there are some glimmers of hope with what's going on, and bookings are starting to come in a little bit. Can you can you give um, some of the listeners because obviously you're on the opposite side to to what you're. You get a lot more. I'm I'm told what I need to be told, whereas you find out a lot more information about what's really going on. So, so can you give any sort of reassurance to people listening in that say in the UK or anything that things are looking a bit more hopeful? Moving well, forward? Yeah, well, things are looking more positive than they have been since the start of everything. So, like, you know, in terms of diaries for artists, the majority of stuff that's being announced in the UK... Well, first of all, for people living in the UK, as of right now, today, we're all working towards shows happening um, for, for all us from August onwards. So, you know, like I'm booking shows in August, September, October, November at the moment. These are large capacity shows. Um, there's been no 
specific guidelines uh, put forward to say this is what you need to follow for this to happen. Like we we're doing a show in uh, Fabric on the second of October. And um, from all our discussions with Fabric is that it's normal service resumed. You know, no masks, no 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 um, no evidence of uh, taking a vaccine, no negative COVID tests, no proof of negative COVID tests required. So that seems that, that that all seems to be going ahead at this moment from today, which is really really positive. There's been a couple of new shows announced uh, for August. There's some other shows getting planned at the moment, which I can't say too much about because they haven't been announced yet. But for as far as the UK is concerned, there's a roadmap there and we're working towards it. So hopefully, if all that happens, people in the UK look like they're going to have a good summer. So that's really, really positive. And we can all just be thinking, this is what we need to to be working towards and that's what's going to happen. Australia seem to be doing really good at the moment. Um, they seem to have handled it really well in general. Like, you know, they were really strict on their quarantine, um, really, like, really strict on their lockdowns. They were jumping on things straight away. So Australia seems to be moving, but Australia will have two-week quarantines, um, which I don't think are going to be avoidable in any way. You want to go into Australia, I think you're going to have to uh, quarantine in a state hotel for two weeks. So we're working towards an event in June there at the moment and potentially some more shows there towards the end of the year. My only concern for Australia is right now, they're in their summer. It's kind of been... Has it has been proven that uh, SARS-CoV-2 is a seasonal virus, like all yeah, other respiratory, yeah, yeah. yeah, all other respiratory uh, viruses are, and respiratory diseases they really peak in winter. So Australia are yet to have their next winter. Hmm. Let's see what happens when uh, it's winter time. And Will show a beta? I don't know just yet. Uh, I know that um, outdoor terrace dining and drinking is open we're going to know in a couple of more weeks what will be the situation with captured as far as far i don't want to say too much but as far as i'm aware shine are uh, going to be doing their season so i think if shine if one club is doing it in eden i think all the rest of them will amnesia have announced their opening party or their closing party and are working backwards um that's all I really know there. There's a show. Finland seems to be really good. Like, through all the a- absolute quagmire of shit last summer, we were still able to do a show in Finland for a summer sound festival in a venue called the Cable Factory, which is a 3,500 capacity venue, but they open to a 1,000 people. Giuseppe and Craig played there last year. Um, off the top of my head, I think it was Giuseppe and Sean Tyus there this year. Um, so that could be going ahead in June. Ireland? No, I don't think so. I don't. I don't think so. Not like. Um, I I didn't look at it in depth today, but I seen uh, Pascal Rotella from EDC put up something on his uh, Twitter about an EDC update. Um, I have some dates there and some information there, but I'm just not too sure whether I can say too much about that. But they're they're working towards 
events again as well. Um, I have promoters in Miami contacting me saying, come on over, let's do some work, but we can't get you guys into there really. I think you can go to Mexico for two weeks, stay there for two weeks, then get into the US without doing anything. So I don't know, if that, is that a loophole there? That sounds crazy to me. Single man's job. Of course it is, yeah. Like So I'm just trying to think about anything else in the top of my head. See, I didn't write anything down around for today. I'm just literally just... Doing it off the cuff. Yeah, it it absolutely is. Um, Eastern Europe, we might be there might be some stuff within the clubs that are open, but again, like see the the situation that we're kind of in here now for artists, and you just touched on it there. If you have a family, it's gonna be very difficult to do. Like, are you gonna go to like somewhere, quarantine for two weeks, come back and quarantine for two weeks? Let's be honest here. You're only gonna do it if the if the money's extortionate or really, really good. Which is fine, because why would you put a month, take a month off your, like, out of your like, daily routine of your life for a low fee? Like, you know, it's... Uh, business is business. Y- 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 business is business. You won't do that. And sometimes that's where, that's where a concern for me in terms of artists, like, fees. Because, like, maybe promoters have to put a lot more money into social distancing. They might have to put into money into antigen testing. Uh, antigen testing, testing or <laughs> that's a new that, word man that's a tongue twister isn't it <laughs> or PCR testing like so I don't know what the landscape's going to be in terms of fees like obviously fees that we agreed with promoters before all them kind of deals just get pushed over into the new deals if there's if there's anything there where you know a promoter has picked up you know 50% more costs you know you have to work with a promoter to uh, make shows happen but I'm just uncertain of what way the landscape will be completely. I don't really have a lot of visibility in how the world's going to be in 12 months' time in, in terms of large-scale indoor events. I think we're going to have a lot of events outdoors. I think the science has been shown that it do, doesn't really pass outdoors. Maybe another, that's another reason why Florida's doing so well, because they're all out in the sun, vitamin D, stuff like that. So... I'd love to have loads more positive news there on that, but I, I like I, I don't have a great deal of it. It's a, it's it's positive enough in terms of what we've gone through over the past twelve months. So um It's it's not it's never looked more positive. Yeah, that's um, that's the impression I've time. been getting over the past week in terms of uh other people posting as as well as myself. I think I think we're feeling a little bit more a little like 10% more optimistic about what the future holds so uh, I'd probably go about 35% right, I'll, push it, I'll push it to 40 I was just being oh, a little nah, bit right, I'll go 41 I was being okay. a bit of a grim <laughs> bastard there sorry <laughs> no I, I definitely am a lot more positive like you know it's been really good this week like chatting to promoters again uh, seeing what like well not this week last week seeing what's like you know Getting getting an idea of the plans, sending on artists artwork and saying, Here, we're announcing this tonight, we're doing this. So like, you know, I am definitely feeling a lot more upbeat than where I was, but I just always err on the side of caution because I find uh, optimism gets you nowhere. No, realism ration, realism rationality, you, man. Rationality. That's what that prevents you from being super disappointed when stuff doesn't work out yeah it's preparing expecting the best but preparing for the worst yeah exactly or you could also say like you know don't expect too much because then when you don't get it you don't be as disappointed like but as like you know as working in the music industry one of the the remits that we have here is get artist shows 
So that's what we're trying to do right now. And promoters are trying to put on those shows. Um, so, you know, fingers crossed we can... Fingers crossed in 12 months' time we're in a much better situation than what we are now. Hope so, man. So I yeah. think we leave it on that positive note. So, cool. Neil, I just want to say thank you very much for uh, coming on today. Uh, it's yeah, been you're a welcome. pleasure having you on. Thanks, thanks very much. So thanks for having me on. And I just want to say, I've said it to you personally, but I'll say it here on air. I think what you're doing here is amazing. Um, I'm a big fan of the podcast. So when you asked me to come on, I was nervous and I was excited at the same time. Um, but I've really enjoyed it. I do think it's great what you're doing, opening up, talking about mental health. Um, I've always like been a big advocate with any of my artists that I've worked with. You've kind of got to uh, show them your personality. And I think you've uh, showcased your personality over the last five episodes uh, unbelievably I hope, well. I hope so congratulations so. to you. Thanks, man. Because I hope so, because that's I haven't really used social media much in the past few years. And it's just, this is a way to sort of just give you a bit of it. Like, just to show you a little bit of who I am rather than you get more of an impression from listening to this than w- watching me post something on Instagram or whatever. So ho- hopefully people are fingers crossed there. Yeah. Cool. Thanks very much, Brian. Excellent, man. Thanks very much, Neil. Take care.